make a decision and move away out of the, the convenient way because the way we we're doing advertising but even more like personalization of digital services is going to change massively and it's already changed and trying to stick to the old ways is not going to help because it also like anyone who, who tries to define the change is always going to be rolled over by the wave right Hello and welcome back to Identity Architects, the InfoSum podcast that spotlights the pioneers in the media industry who are changing the way that data is used to power better customer experiences. I'm your host, Ben Chiketti, and for this episode, our Chief Operating Officer, Lauren Wetzel, had the opportunity to speak with Christopher Rea, General Director of Data at Axel Springer All Media. Lauren and Christopher had a fascinating discussion about the current state of the advertising industry, the deprecation of third-party cookies, and where the industry is going. Before we jump into that conversation, just a reminder to hit that subscribe button so you know when the latest episodes of Identity Architects land. But without any further delay, here's Lauren and Christopher. Christopher, welcome to Identity Architects. We're so thrilled to have you. How are you doing? Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I'm very good. Hope you're good too. Yeah, I am. I apologize if I sound a little bit under the weather. I am on the mend. Um, but we've got lots to talk about i know you very well we've had the fortunate opportunity to work together a few times and we're now at infosum and axel great partners and i'm thrilled for that and all the things that we're going to do but i also have some spies who have given me some really fun information and things so i think my quick fire questions more than any other time i've done this on identity architects is going to be really fun for me but before we even dive into the quick fire questions, can you just give all of our identity architects and InfoSum audience just a quick intro to Axel Springer All Media, to who you are, to what you do? Tell us a little bit about who is Christopher. Oh, pleasure. I was just thinking if I have to be scared now. But um, <laughs> starting with starting with what we are doing is basically with uh, media impact as the sales house of axel springer and the axel springer or media being the holding for all uh advertising related companies we have we are basically responsible for all the digital revenues coming in for the german assets of axel springer and we're very much in contact also with our international assets i think everyone knows like insider and political also on on your side of the pond basically um, so this is like really like the, the core business of advertising that goes through us together with all the, the great units that we have in Axel Springer um, working collectively. Uh, I myself am responsible for the topic of data within Media Impact and also the holding of Axel Springer All Media, which means there is like infrastructure, productization, business development, sales, it's all the lobby parts, all the legal stuff. So obviously anything that makes fun right now and is something that will be needed for 24. And I'm very happy that we're working with you guys. Obviously, we, we've done great stuff together, great first mover stuff, uh, awesome cases. I think there's been so much joy in this in this working relationship. Um, yeah, additionally, I'm I'm heading the Department of uh, Data Economy and the BBDW, which is a lobby organization in, in Germany, very much trying to to form a digital ground together with the IEB, together with with the colleagues in US. So there's always data on my mind, obviously. And I hope that this gives the listeners a little bit of what is and who is Christopher. No, I love that. And I think I was thinking about this leading up to today and our discussion, how your division within Axel Springer, and then obviously what we do at InfoSum, we have a value called challenging the status quo. And it just sort of felt like the perfect thing that kind of encapsulates not just the partnership, but also I think what your division and, and you and your career have sort of been known for. Um, so yeah. I don't know if you agree or disagree, but challenging the status quo, I think is, is a pretty, pretty cool legacy. No, I like that. I, I think also like it seems to be something we have, that we have to do, right? We're, we're working on a topic that is both in the legal terms and the business terms forming itself by the minute, right? There is nothing that is really established. And also, when, when you look at it, I just had talks about this on, on uh, the TV station and everything, where, where it goes around the question, what is going to happen digital? I think what we're doing here is the, is the base work for connected cars, for smart home. Everything is based on algorithms. It's, it's AI, basically. Well, we did it in basically 2016, 2017, and, and for long. And now looking at, at also the, the, the work that InfoSum is doing and what we're doing together is something like making all this safe and making this, this sound in a world where the free market is a bit under attack. 
let's say it like that. And we, we really try to challenge the status quo if it has to be like that and really provide solutions for partners in the market that they can go on and they can work in the free and open market. Yeah, well said. I'll get into it. Quick fire questions with Christopher. So my favorite one that we always start with here on this podcast is what is your earliest memory of advertising? Ooh, my earliest memory of advertising is probably uh, a, a sneaker that I, I had to buy myself when I was, I think, 12 or 13. Uh, and I was completely hooked on the advertising and then I bought it in the wrong size. So obviously targeting <laughs> would have been better it was, if, if it would have been offered to me in the right size. But that was probably the first time I, I really fell for an advertising. I love that. What was your first job in either advertising or marketing? Uh, I have to differentiate that basically. Like my first job in media actually was when I was 16 and was working case uh, at Computer Build, which is which was also my first job in Axel Springer. Um, and then the first actual job in, in advertising was uh, when I was working for Border Forward, which was, which was a, a publisher in, in or a sales house in Germany when I was 21, I think, trying to finance my legal studies. That's a really great segue into uh, what I had learned about you, which I did not know before. But why did you decide to study law? And what do you think about ending up in media and advertising technology? Because I think maybe the past five, 10 years, that sort of intersection and this notion of understanding data and technology and also having an understanding of law has needed to be like a critical intersection more than ever. But I think when you probably yeah. first started out, you probably had different legal ambitions, I would assume. <laughs> oh. Actually, I was just starting to study law because I wasn't good at math. So I just <laughs> came out of the came out of the, the, the military, and I was like, "All right, got to study something." Um, I was in the end, it was I'm fairly good in discussing and like to be right about things. So it was like fairly easy to go to the legal part. It actually follows Professor Scott Galloway. I don't know if you at all follow him. He's an NYU professor and an economist, no. and. Um, and he actually has something that he says around the time that, you know, the graduation statements come out and people say, follow your passion. And he's like, stop telling people to follow their passion, follow what you're good at. So I think you, yeah. that's, that's kind of it. I'm not good at math. Legal is a path. I can it's move like down that. that path. Yeah. I also think it comes down to confidence. Like where, where do you end up having the confidence? So then you can not just master the craft, but then be a leader and, and, you know, influence others. And I think all of that's very connected. And I think also it's like, if you, like the way I studied uh, legal profession was like understanding how, how uh, business and society works when, because in the end, everything goes down, like in the basis of it, it's always a legal process, right? Anything that have, has to be defined. But so it took quite ages as, as you've been spying, you probably know that it took some, took some time for me then while doing the work in the advertising and in another job to finally get to the point. But I think, and that's, that's really answering your question. It was always a bet because I always liked the, the advertising sphere that I was in. And I always liked the digital aspect of life because I grew up with computers back home and like building them and everything. So it was always something I was looking for. And as soon as I realized that, that this data privacy stuff, this, this data law stuff is something that is not really digged out completely, it felt like a niche that would combine pretty, pretty nicely. So I also did my, my excellent thesis with the Data Protection Authority of, of Hamburg at the time when they were like cutting the, the last octet of the IP addresses and they were really happy about it. And we just told them that, guys, thank you so much. So we, that's one more step of aggregating data. That's very nice that you did that for us. So all this in the end was, it was like seeing something in the combination of legal aspects and data-driven uh, business that might cohese into something. And obviously that bet uh, wasn't so bad. <laughs> Not at all. So how does this notion of uh, your occupation as a bouncer come into play and how did that help you be better at your job? Tell us more here. That, that was that was basically the, one of the points. Like in, in, in the mornings trying to study, I hope that good, good stuff that no one sees the video right now, but... Um, 
in the afternoons working in advertising in the nights working as a bouncer it was like anything to try to get that money for a league of studies together i think anyone who's studying right now knows that this is like you need time and money for that sadly but i think the bouncer business was something that really helped um shape me in crisis moments because you you learn to work with people under extreme stress while they being under extreme stress and the situation is under extreme stress and trying to make those split second decisions on what you got to do. And you learn that you have to take a decision because not taking a decision is going to harm people. And that is something that really helped. I'd rather take a decision and be wrong about it and then like learn something from it and make a better decision than being stagnant about it. I think that's, that's one thing. And also uh, the aspect of understanding how people work and function was was appealing in that i love that yeah you have to build the muscle for not just everyone has instincts but the listening to the instincts the doing something about it i think is it's not yeah. something everyone that it doesn't come naturally to everyone knowing what you know now what would you say to yourself when you started your career mm. i actually would have to tell tell my my past or my future me then actually in that case my past me uh do everything the way you did yeah, because, it's all going to be okay. <laughs> you give yourself a pep talk. You know, it, it took some time, <laughs> but everything is fine, right? Like in terms of what we're doing, as I said, like we we, we are shaping something that's completely new. We are shaping the market. Um, we have the big luxury and opportunity, both of us and everyone who's listening right now, to to work in one of those s or or, or branches that really provide something for the future and for employers that are really great. So that that is a good thing. I'm a dad of a, of a wonderful little daughter. I've got a wonderful wife. So I think it went well. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's not much not much that should be different. I don't know if I would have been that happy as I'm now if I would just have studied within four years and everything would be done. So just just stay the same. Stay stay the course. Be with yourself. I think that's the, that that would be it. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you also didn't just exclusively make it about your career because there's there's much more to to the great work that you've done uh, today. But you, you kind of already answered this. I was going to ask you what you love about what you do right now in the industry you're in. But it sounds like from already a few things that you've said, it's all about the opportunity to transform, the opportunity to kind of push. Um, but is there something else that you just love and kind of gets you out of bed in the morning? I think I think really this this learning every every day you learn something new every day you have to challenge yourself it's not getting boring right even if you think that you've done it well after half a year you have to revisit it and you suddenly realize oh something new has changed or the technology has been moving like crazy or the people that you're working with suddenly have great ideas or something and I think that is like the the big benefit also when I look at to my team like we've got so brilliant people working with us that constantly produce new ideas and and in the positions we are those ideas actually do matter right there are a lot of jobs where you sometimes have the feeling that you like, produce ideas without any effect but what i really see here is that anything that we try is something that directly affects business and affects also future developments and that is something that really intrigues me like creating new stuff trying to to push the boundaries as you said before but also um, making obviously something contributing something to society that that lasts because when you create something new and that stays that's something that lasts and it's a good thing so there's a lot of stuff that that we should and, and could cherish about a job yeah and I, I also totally agree that people and working with people who inspire you make it that much more not just better not just the end product better but just makes it a lot more fun as well definitely it's the joy about it right yeah, of course. One of my favorite questions that we always quick fire is within advertising, we're obsessed with this concept of identity, the ability to identify individuals across devices and platforms. But how would you actually explain the term identity to your daughter? To my daughter, it would be difficult because she's currently still learning the language. But I would say it's something that makes dead fly around the country all the time. But um to be to to be frank i think the easy the easiest way to uh, to explain identity is it's basically your life in a digital form that helps you to participate in that right the like 
I think that's the biggest thing that we have to try to transport to, to users, to, to people that are listening. The concept of identity is something that you can train. It's something that you can use to get the benefit to yourself. And that's something that's new. That hasn't been there before 2018, before GDPR and all the stuff that, that, that hit the market. And now people can steer what happens with the data. And that all that is combined with their digital identity. So I think it's a very beneficiary thing. And it's something that you can use for your benefit. That's a great, it's always interesting because all of these answers are different, but I thought that was a great one. Um, well, I know what used to keep you awake at night, which was the the bouncing job to, to fund the law studies, but what today keeps you awake at night, if anything? I think my daughter. I think that's, that's <laughs> the answer is pretty easy uh, because if, if she's not the one uh, uh, waking me up or kicking me or something, I think it's just like I'm trying to sleep like a stone. So I, in the end, it, it has to be my daughter. What inspires you? Oh, what we do. I think it, what we do needs a lot of self-drive. So you have to challenge yourself. You have, you have to enjoy creating new stuff. You have to enjoy um, challenge yourself, challenge everyone around you, be a bit annoying at times, try to not be too much of an annoyance. But I think that, that the inspiration part comes in time uh, on the one side from yourself. I think you can you can relate to that. Um, and on the other hand, is I think it's really this, there's so much stuff happening around what we are doing. And there's so much stuff happening around how society is developing and so on, that I think that the inspiring part of it is like really shaping society in a certain point of way. Not in a, like in a, in a positive or negative way, but but giving people the tools to be digital, and that, I think that is inspiring because it, it involves basically every aspect. It's political, it's legal, it's it's societal, it's it's business, it's technology in the deepest form, and it's in the end it's participation. It's it's making possible that people can participate in in digital life, and that's good stuff. That's that's inspiring. I think. Yeah, I also think. Ever since knowing and working with you, you've never, I think sometimes in advertising, and it, it tends to skew also a little bit more to the US where we haven't had GDPR for five plus years, you kind of get this sense of like, you know, at any cost, like, you know, the, the good advertising at any cost, the whatever it takes. And I think you're exactly what you just said in regards to, you know, the, the, the different components that all kind of need to work together in concert um, yeah. to sort of orchestrate that magic to make that transformation. Um, you've never, it's always been included. It's always been all those parts. It's never just at the expense of, you know, the, for revenue, but not for the consumer, not for protection of the data. And I think I do, you just don't always have that. Like, I think the one thing in our industry is, I, I think it's very important, not just the facets of the skill sets to sort of be able to translate across those different areas. Like, that's very important. That's what all of us are looking to hire and, you know, to, to sort of bring into our organizations. But I also just think it's it's sort of that ethical piece. It's like the standards, it's the, you know, the, the which then makes it, you know, the memorable thing that does transform mm -hmm. and, and makes us feel good. Yeah. And it's also our responsibility, right? If we are trying to shape something, we have to be responsible for that. Like you can't do stuff without accepting responsibility and accountability for that. So that's yeah. important. Final quick fire. And then we'll get into some okay. topic related questions about what you're working on these days. Um, so one of my favorite ones, and actually when we, um, I was our first permanent hire in the U.S. actually, and the first thing I did when we started really hiring was every new um, person on our team, I would ask the same question, which uh, was a little bit of an icebreaker, but if there was a song that was a soundtrack to your life, what would it be? That's a difficult thing because the job of bouncing obviously messed up my music taste. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's, not, there's no one song. Right now it would be Anna Kaffekana. I'm very sure that you don't know that because it just brings joy through the life of my daughter. But um, You're going to have to send I me a chat link to it so I don't forget and I will listen to it right after. I'm, I'm going to bring that to you, definitely. And it's, <laughs> again, a recommendation for any young, young parents right now listening. Use that song. It's awesome. 
just going to help to make make the little one's life better and so it makes it makes your life better and yeah i think like there's no specific song um i think what like i've been always drawn to 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 metal music and new metal and also hip-hop and i like classical music i like like there's if something hooks me there's normally it's a bass thing or something that really like i don't care who's the singer it just like gets me into a flow and i think if i say if the if, if you ask me if there's a specific song i couldn't tell you but if if you ask me if there's a theme there's something like anytime i get into a flow and i really feel engaged and i feel like this is something i can participate in i'm hooked and that drives me it's always trying to like bring something out of it like try to to be beneficial to my surroundings in some some kind of way and that that is a music in itself i think can can i can i try to dodge the question like that I love that. Um, my, one of my favorite things is depending also just what city you're in, but to your point on classical, I used to never like classical music until some days just appreciating being in New York. And I know you and I have talked about like, we need to get you over to New York. Um, oh, the, 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 the partnership requires it. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, I love listening to like Beethoven walking the yeah. streets of new york because it's just it, it's this very interesting soundtrack and watching everyone commuting and watching everyone sort of in their own universe it's it's uh one giving me an appreciation for music that i didn't have any interest in before and two it just like reminds me of like this is a really great place to be really you know inspiring place to be all right we're gonna dive into some deeper topics so we can kind of get into some of the great work that you're doing. But first, I think let's start a little bit more broadly to, can you kind of give our listeners who might not be as familiar with the industry landscape in Germany an update on the status quo of the industry in general, but then also more specifically the publisher side in Germany and Central Europe. Um, and even maybe more specifically, because it wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't raise this, but how well prepared is the industry for a cookie-less future? So just, you know, just all of that. So we, we have like three to four hours time now? <laughs> well, I know you're prepared. So <laughs> it's, it's more about like everyone else, tune in, take out your notepads. Like This is the chance. <laughs> I think the current state, uh, let's, let's be honest, is way better than it was a year or two years before. Yeah, but amen. if you look like for, for, for international listeners, I think um, we have the pain and the benefit that have been hit by GDPR in 2018, that there's always been a very lively discussion around data privacy issues in Germany, for, for example, because of the past that we have, where it's been used against the people. And so it was always a very strong discussion. And therefore, there's a kind of heritage around this discussing those parts. And if you look at the solutions that are coming out of the German space, like also driven by technology, but also driven by, by publishers, I think there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, we do have also the issue that, that a lot of German uh, market participants are really hesitant of moving new stuff. The classical German thing is like rather go with a market leader than, <laughs> than create stuff themselves. Or if, if it's getting like on an economic, uh, uh, economy base, like getting big enough, then everyone is going to jump for that. So first mover things normally not us. But right now in this topic, I think the German space is ahead of the rest of the world um, in terms of discussion level. Also in terms of what, what solutions do work and don't work because we're really into like the nitty gritty right now with, with a certain group of people. So um, I think like in, 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 the, in, the, in the top level or not in the, in the highest level or highest detail level, we're pretty, pretty good. But on the same side, what, what you can see in the German market still, the adoption of the new new solutions is lagging behind. So it's people know what to do, but they rather not do the jump. Um, and I think that that kind of defines the current situation. Um, if you would have asked me one and a half years ago, I would have said, like, we're not ready, definitely not. Um, and right now, I think we are at the cusp of just getting everyone really ready. Um, and that's also why we're doing all the tests, all the tests in the, in the, in the, in the cases and trying to like educate people around us and, and companies around it to, to, to show them it's not an issue to make this up. It's, it's always better to build something up themselves or be independent about everything that changes right now than rather go to the, to the platforms. Sorry to say that to the colleagues listening from the platforms. 
Yeah, I think that so that going from Germany Europe to to the US, I think Germany is pretty good at this stuff. But we have to make the move now, otherwise we'll we'll drop basically. I think the European space does have the cha- the, the same challenges. That's that's a given. Um, but it's always a question of resources. If you are like in the Nordics, they they've been doing brilliant stuff, but they do have also different market dynamics right now, also in, in terms of power. Um, there is an ongoing power shift, I think, right now in, in the markets, especially in the European market, where you see where all the power ones was at the agencies and the technology providers. It's more moving to the data holders, which are the publishers and the advertisers right now, which is also showing the discussions. And if I look at the at the US assets, I think um, like the stuff that we've been having to, to, to face in Europe right now is something that's going to help any any business f- from Europe in the US pretty massively because a lot of that stuff is going to hit the US market or is already hitting it. So I think there's a there's a big chance for exchange between uh, the, the, the different uh, countries in terms of data cleaning usage, in terms of how to structure identity solutions, how to cover all the legal aspects of it. Like, how do you get the consent? Does, do you really need the consent? How do you structure overarching contextual initiatives and so on? And I'm really looking forward to that because what, what I see now is that this, this discussion is really ongoing now. Like one and a half years ago, people weren't really talking to each other. Everyone was brewing their own stuff and, and that was it. And now we see, like, see stuff getting together. On the other hand, I think we all see the effects of, of the, of the, movements of the big platforms. And I think we are all challenged to, to be creative around that, like to, to create value for our users. And I think we're on a good path there. Yeah, specifically for Axel Springer All Media, how do you see yourselves positioned kind of relative to what you just described more broadly? Um, and then just more specifically in terms of this new first party data era, era compared to others in the industry? So you want to have like this, this classical, like all oh, the numbers, number cheat now. Um, <laughs> now I think from what we've doing, we've been doing, I like, we've been really starting like three years ago when we created the first legal, legal groundwork, like uh, combined JCAs for the whole market in the, in the BBDW, which was the first legal standard for the German speaking market, which has been adopted by all the, like from Poland, Switzerland, Austria, everyone adopted those. Uh, I think that was a massive move. Um, and what we've been doing also, like trying to, to be really at the forefront, like the first, uh, identity case that was for more multiple publishers, the first data clean room cases, decentralized clean room cases with you guys for multiple publishers, um, creating like the, the, um, OFACAR contextual standard, which is like an overarching quality standard for, for contextual in the German market now. Um, pushing basically the idea that, that net ID is a good thing. Um, I think all of that was something that we really wanted to be like, we wanted to be first movers. We wanted to make that jump because obviously with our strategy of going digital first, we really have to see uh, data as a basis of digital economy and uh, as a basis of digital uh, business at this point. And so that was, that was the main goal to, to basically move ahead and also make that jump because we can. And we have brilliant teams here. I've got to say that once more, like, like the, the, the luxury that we have in terms of the people we are allowed to work with, with you guys, with the partners that we have, and also being independent as we are, like working with our own ad stack, working with our own data stack, not being dependent on any other partner, like in terms of like really being free of what we choose is such a massive advantage right now. And it, it pays out, obviously. Like we, we are in deep conversations for all market participants. We do have like what about... 75 million profiles right now, which is basically covering Germany twice in terms of. And you're seeing performance, like the, you know, you're delivering performance in, especially even if you just look directly at cookie list to first party. And I think it's, it's sort of the twofold. It's moving and, and proving that you can, meaning like we can do hard things, like we can sort of navigate this, solve it, adopt a piece of technology launch a new critical piece of infrastructure and sort of show that this can work. And then the second piece is, oh, and by the way, like it actually delivers and it's performant. Um, yeah. yeah. And the agencies are happy, bro. You, you know the results, right? Like um, they, they, like CPA is getting better. Conversion rates are getting yeah. better. Like, it's all because of the aspect that you're finally close to the user. 
And I think all this really shows us that first-party data and in the way also we structured it um, is a massive benefit for any partner, definitely. And also what we, we, we did is we, we built basically a, a system where we would do the heavy lifting, right? Because we yeah. understood that if the rest of the market isn't ready to do the jump, we need to like make this easy to access for anyone and make sure that we do rebuild the connections. And I think that we're, we're pretty good at that. And on the other hand, like, I mean, that there was a massive effort, but it, it also pays off in the way that the market is working with each other now, right? Because obviously there's a very educated discussion about that stuff. Um, I don't, I, yeah, I'm positive about it. And I'm really happy with the results we have right now. So we're done with the first party data shift over now. And we're looking forward to anything that happens in 24, right? Yeah, no, I agree. And it's, I think because to your point, the platforms are starting to move. It's, I can actually recall when, when Google had shifted the date out the first, well, I guess it was the second time, like actually companies just changing their timelines. Like, well, we were using these platforms. We deem these platforms are, you know, are not going to work and we're going to shift to first party. But then, you know, lo and behold, now my schedule's off and now it's getting pushed out. And I do see, more urgency, more commitment, more, you know, change. And that's even in the U.S., but I, I definitely would say the U.S. more than other markets was was just sort of slow. Like, oh, we, we, we have more time. We've got more time. But I think the more yeah, that... There was not no just, need, right? Yeah. Like you don't have, like, data protection <laughs> authorities breathing down your net at this yeah. point. So, that, I mean, it's fair. Like, in the end, it, yeah. it's, it's the way the market's structured. But... Yeah, I think I'm with you then. There's stuff happening. It's good stuff. Uh, we still have to do a lot of stuff. Yeah, what are the challenges? <laughs> like what's sort of the, you know, all of this is good. There, You've done great work. You work with brilliant people. I can, you know, testify to that. And you have great partners like us. But what are still some of the challenges that, you know, we need to work on together that the industry needs to just recognize and address I think uh, we know it's not perfectly rosy. No, it's not. No, definitely not. <laughs> you weren't asking about the question if it's if everything's rosy, but if we're pretty proud of what we did, which we are. Uh, but I think, like, get over this last hesitancy. Like, accept that the, that the change is there. Like, there's so many discussions still where people hope that it's going to be postponed once more, and like the old business models are going to work out, and third party cookies are going to going to stay. And any like, I still see business models pitched that are completely based on third party cookies, and that's not going to work. And it's it's still it's already not working because matching rates are below forty percent, and Safari is blocking, and so on and so on. Um, and I sometimes wonder how how. Uh, such a forward, such a future-focused branch like ours can always be so hesitant to to move. But I think that's the one thing: like accept that the change is coming, um, and then really get into testing. Like really put also the budgets there and make a decision. I think like if you accept that stuff is coming, then you have to make a decision. And you, you remember what I said earlier: like rather take a like some kind of decision that is at least fact-based and like redo it once you realize it didn't work out because at least you learned something from it, but make a decision and move away out of the, of, out of the convenient, right? Because the, the way we we're doing advertising, but even more like personalization of digital services is going to change massively and it's already changed and trying to stick to the old ways is not going to help because it also like anyone who, who tries to define the change is always going to be rolled over by the wave, right? Like that. So I think that's the main aspect and anything else is like working together. We can only win this thing if we work together. I think that's the one thing. Yeah, I agree. I think in particular, one area on the working together, I think of like legal standards for data clean rooms yeah. in contrast to just call it more broadly programmatic. Like, what do you think, like, why hasn't a legal standard emerged? And And I say this from the perspective of I find, you know, the way that, like sometimes people just think of clean rooms as I'm going to replace exactly how I was doing something. So I used to send my data to my partner or I sent my data to a third party and they sent their data to a third party and you did some stuff and that's how it went. And now clean rooms are just allowing you to replace that. And obviously there's so much more complexity in terms of 
the tech and the protection and, and, and more importantly than anything, the easiest way I sort of simplified is just, it's about control. You used to hand over control and now you don't, now you keep control. And so with that, you know, the sort of notion of how you're partnering and, and what's data sharing versus not what's controller versus not. I mean, you're, you're more of the legal expert than me. And I'm, I'm genuinely curious because I know that can be a hurdle um, mm-hmm. that I want us especially to sort of lead, lead the charge on. Yeah. I think like if the question is why didn't we establish standards, I think because the whole thing is pretty new. Like yep. in legal terms, if you have a, have a legal con- construct that is younger than three years, it's basically non-existent, right? Because you don't have any verdicts on it. You don't have like any practical experience on it. And for that, we're pretty far ahead, right? Like you, you sometimes you see the same contexts, the concepts right now. I think the question of standardization is something that's coming up right now where everyone is thinking, well, it's, it's getting too difficult. There's too much legal stuff around actually using it and, and applying it. And so the, the interest is there to standardize. And that's always the start of standardization process. So I, I think both on a commercial or, or company base and also on a, on a, um, sorry, missing the, the word right now, like, uh, BVDW, IB and so on. Yep. Those guys. Uh, you see that the discussion level is going to standardizing that, but um, I think that that is that also still has the issue that that also the legal landscape in terms of what what do you need to bring, what is actually some what is the the question that you're standardizing is still fractured, again because yeah. of the fact that there's no 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 real evidence in some cases there's a lot of guesswork to be honest, and how how do you standardize something? When no one is really sure what is what is what is something where you can put, put the weight on, but I think like in in terms of of maturity of discussion, we're going to go for standardization now, and I think there are already good concepts on how to make life easier using that technology. I think the data cleanroom itself, especially decentralized setups like the the, the, the stuff that you are offering do help in the legal stuff and massive massively because yeah. you don't lose control, you don't have to send away data it's all in your own like property. And that is a very, very good move. It's like compared to older models where you had everything centralized and had to send it there and like try to have someone neutral in the middle. Um, and that makes the discussion easier. Anyhow, I think it's also a question of, and that's the third part, different legal views, obviously from advertiser or publisher or agency or technology level. And that's always driven because of there's a certain aspect those parties want to like push. Yeah, and I think if we want to have a basic concept, everyone uh, concept, uh, we, we all have to make a step back and remind ourselves that we need this technology to keep everything going, and we can have the battle about who's getting the better position afterwards, about the quality and like putting stuff on top of it. But I think that's that's one call to action for everyone listening. Like, don't think about the company at this point at first, but think about the way to make sure that everything runs. And then we can go to standardization. I think that is that is something that, like, like that kind of small mind shift that is still missing is something that has to happen to get the standardization done. Like actually do instead of just demand. Like we, we remember the discussions also in the advisory board where we also had this discrepancy, right? Yeah, having that representation to your point of publisher, of advertiser, of agency and getting sort of the point of views from each of the legal teams and start to better represent and just better to it's it's standardization it's this education and i think you you kind of you need to do it in certain instances and then show how that can kind of carry on and make it easier as everyone sort of scales within their own you know private data network so to call it it's true and it's also as you said it's a question of of information and and knowledge and to be honest how many people are are really in-depth like able to right now understand all that all, all that information and it's a growing growing team because everyone educates the next one that's a good thing but again also there we all have to like realize that it's pretty new stuff and it's fine if we if we do need some more time you you mentioned earlier you're still seeing solutions with third-party cookies involved and you know that they're you know, whether it's like a vendor or something slide across your desk that that's sort of an option. Like, what do you think it'll take for for us to not be on a podcast talking about this, hopefully ever again? At the end, it, it would just need Google to switch them off, right? I mean, 
I think as long as people do think that it's not going to happen, that's that's also the time that, that those solutions will come up because in the end, there's still money in it because it's convenient, right? Like also, if you look how, how advertising agencies do allocate the money, they still go through those means because it's a business as usual. And that's why I was saying, like, try to do the jump. Um, like business as usual is a strong force. As long as this kind of satisfies everyone in the role, that's that's something that that is going to be existing. It's like like still like the the shift of power or, or or usage in linear TV, for example. Like how long have been people like a lot of people have been preaching that it's going to shift that people are not really watching linear TV anymore, but now we see it also in the market numbers um, that there is a, not not in terms of not being used anymore, but kind of shifting the the view the, the view of behavior um and therefore i think it's 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 really a question of yeah doing that and, and accepting that it's, it's it's like that and then moving forward from that yeah i agree putting on your global hat what are some of the things that we especially just in the u.s still need to improve and where can we learn from each other it seems like or even maybe said differently, if you had for those who are simply waiting for Google to, to do something, call it, um, for those who are still believing, you know, the old ways of working, which weren't sustainable, will somehow get the job done. Like, what would be some of your learnings, your advice? Like, where do, where do those companies start? I think, as I said before, it's, first is acceptance. It makes life easier. <laughs> a personal daily mantra like this is happening this is happening this is happening it's like that honestly yeah. it's like that no, but but it's it, like acceptance helps you to move forward mm -hmm. and um i think a lot of like a lot of companies do have solutions in-house and do have brilliant people find these solutions find the, the the brilliant people that you have that might have been buried on the on the it desk or something and make them combine the information that they've been pushing probably like two years. Um, I think that's the one thing. Like there's so much stuff already created. Use that. Like the good thing for any company that's going to, to start to, to, to go this road now, we'll find a bunch of information. There's so much stuff already in the market. Discussed about it. W3C uh, chats, uh, GitHub, podcasts like these, the information from the, from the pages and the, and, the, and the magazines at Wake Digiday whatsoever. There's so much information already and always participants of the market like you guys like we willing to share so that's the second thing get the information anything that you, you don't find in yourselves get the information discuss with the partners um inter like interact with each other don't sit idly somewhere in, in a dark room and then don't talk to anyone just pick up the phone something we're also recommending to our people always um i think that's that's the thing and yeah don't do business as usual. Use it as a chance. Get in contact with your users. Because, and that's that's also the thing that we learned here, is like this dialogue with the users that has been prompted by all these legal uh, uh, needs and, and, and necessities um, has been really good for us because we finally understood what, what is really happening on the pages. And mm -hmm. I think what, what the US can learn from us in terms of like how to combine that data privacy difficulty level with actually continuing with it without like, like, having to cut it all down, but just moving on and trying to make the best of it, despite the fact that we do have 18 different opinions from data protection agencies that continuously are, are bringing something new. And I think that that is something because obviously you will have that landscape too, where it's kind of fractured in the way data privacy is being uh, uh, employed. And what I really hope is that you don't lose your, your mind for innovativeness, because that is something that the US market is always bringing forth, right? like really pushing new ideas, really pushing new technologies. And we, we kind of seem to be the, the, the sad guys that always like get these technologies and have to make it work with strong regulation. I think this is something where, where the both of us can, can benefit from. Like for us, like understanding that innovation is nothing bad, that we can do that ourselves. And for you guys to see that regulation is something that can actually create new opportunities and then we can work together to figure out how all this works. And that's always, that's the chance, I think. Yeah, not just waiting for regulation. I mean, you said it, you've learned more about your users and what they're doing on a page. Yeah. And, you know, I always say 
every company should be a better guardian of their customer data anyways. So it's like- Because you get also better results because people want to have stuff, right? <laughs> and you want to be in direct contact with your user. You don't want to buy a third-party cookie segment somewhere through social media or something, but you want to be in the contact because that's what it's all about. In the end, the product gets better, the information gets better, everything gets better if you're in direct contact. And that's a good thing. So what are some predictions as we wrap up? What is sort of five to 10 years out look like? Hopefully a land where everyone maintains control of their data. <laughs> and has just as many performant case studies as we've seen. (laughs) No, I think think in in, in five years, obviously, everything will be completely different different than than it is now in terms of how we are using big data, how we are using connected cars, AI, how it's been forming society on the other end. I really hope that we've learned to to, to understand the value of it and and to participate in and steer this for our own benefit and make sure that it's not going to dismantle society, but it's really strengthening it. Again, that only works through knowledge. And I think that's something else. I really hope in five years that this is something that like stuff we are discussing right now for a bubble of people that already know this stuff, that this would be something in universities and schools and so on. That would be brilliant because yeah. otherwise digital society will fail in a certain way. But I think in terms of, of the advertising market, in a best case scenario, we do have a very educated and also balanced free market where we have those solutions. We have an interaction with the big platforms, probably different platforms than they are right now, um, but having a lively advertising ecosphere that is very much focused on the needs of the user and by that producing perfect amounts of, of, of business for everyone involved because that's the perfect cycle, right? Direct yep. satisfaction of needs, like efficient use of data, like bringing that to who, who wants at, 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 the, at the right time. But I think that's, that's a powerful rumor. And I think 10 years, oh man, there's so many opportunities, like probably flying cars and us living <laughs> on the Mars and so on. Totally different podcast, different industry, you and I. We'll, I'll see you then. Obviously, both of us selling, selling carpets or something because like the digital mm-hmm. stuff has already gone out the window. No, I think like, it, like it really in terms of, of opportunity, like there's so much ahead of us. Like if you look at the way that AI in, in rapid uh, ascension has been part of, of daily lives now and kind of like also the discussion that has been created around it, despite the fact there's a, there's a lot of buzz around it that, that is not really leading to the point and there's still massive flaws in the, in the models. I think that's, that's helping the overall discussion. So I really would hope for 10 years that like this, what I said for five years, the participation and like making stuff better is something that's really leading to a point we don't have any friction in, in the use of, of that stuff and also in the financing of free media and so on because it really helps us to have, have good lives. Yeah, I Is agree. Is too much Lottie Lottie? Not too much Lottie Lottie at all. I have one final question, but before I just want to give you an opportunity yeah. if there's something I didn't ask or something you wanted to say. No, I, I think I think we're fine. I think that, that the topic we could discuss, as, as we said before, we could forever. discuss this like in depth forever because there's so much interesting stuff around. But I think like a call to action is always a good thing to end on. Get your stuff together, people. Be happy, be be brave. Yeah, do the jump. Do like be willing to interact. Be willing to to not do business as usual, but accept new stuff and be creative around that, and be responsible. Take upon accountability. Take responsibility for what you're doing because stuff gets better with, with that. I love that. I love ending on a call to action. I think that's a great sentiment. Um, recommendations for future identity architects. So this podcast is about individuals like yourself who have pioneered new ways to use data to deliver better customer experiences. These are the people who do have that sense of responsibility, do have that sense of challenging the status quo. So when you look to people you admire in the industry, who would you nominate for us to go hunt after like we did you to pull on to an upcoming episode? <clears throat> well, the two, two guys are already working for you guys. I think like Brian and Uli are always people that you can talk to about that stuff and, and how to change. Yeah, I don't know if Brian or Uli will let me interview them, but I, I like that you said this because <laughs> now it's it's out there. So... <laughs> 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 no, I think that those guys are like really brilliant. Also, what what we did for the German market, what Brian has done for the overall market, like that's 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 really change, challenging the status quo. That's that's being 
like at times bullheaded just going through walls and, and making sure that stuff happens. I think that's that's one thing. Like yeah, in the yeah. German sphere, we do have brilliant guys too, like really on the technical side. Uh, way way too many to name all of them, but I think like Robert Blank from our side, Arvin Fjerk, uh, Abdekada Bajiji, all those guys are beginning in the product time. I think who you really should talk to if you haven't is Achim Schlosser from the NetID. Oh, that's a great, he great is, He's brilliant. Like, brilliant. He's also very in-depth in the US discussions. I think he's one of the few Germans that are really like so deep in the W3C discussions that the Google engineers actually are, are deeply listening to him. So that that is someone... Um, and I think like from a political standpoint to make people understand how all this, like how, how identity and, and ID systems and all this advertising stuff early actually like can work in a political sphere because you have to do so much stuff around that and make sure that legislation is right and so on is, uh, Thomas Duhr from, from, um, Adelines, who's really been yep. in the, in the market for ages in Germany. I think those are also insights in terms of how stuff is working. Um, and yeah, again, there's, there's so much more, like you could go into sustainability, like, like those guys are doing interesting stuff. You, you could also go, you want to talk about AI and how, how this is actually in a, in a, in a land like ours, um, something that you have to regulate or use and so on. And you could talk to the guys of AREC, which is Alois Krittel, who is okay. the head of the AREC, um, brilliant guy. Really, like, like he he knows his AI stuff. Not not talking about, it, not boasting. He just knows. And I think those are people that you should definitely talk to because they work at the fabric of how all this stuff that we are making money off, and everyone who's listening, like having the livelihood on, is actually being yep. built and regulated and made made possible. That's great. My team is going to be thrilled because now we have a full <laughs> roster lineup of requests for. The next season of Identity Architects. Christopher, this was an amazing conversation. You're an amazing person. You're a responsible person. You're an intelligent person. You challenge the status quo. Thank you for being such a great partner. I know there's a, there's a huge bouncer flex happening right now <laughs> for those who, who can't witness. No, I'm getting red ears now because there's too much, too much flattery here. As every one of us is working together, right? Yeah, your whole team is incredible. Thank you so much for being here. Um, and I will fortunately see you across the pond very soon. Really looking forward to that. Thank you so much for having me. It was just a blast. Thanks again to Christopher for joining us on Identity Architects. It was great to learn more about his background, but also the incredible and pioneering work happening at Axel Springer All Media. All that leaves for me to do is to remind you to hit that subscribe button so you know when the next episode of Identity Architects lands. But until then, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.